This is the Daily Texan Newscast for the week ending in February 26th. I'm Anthony Green. And I'm Lillian Michel. This week in news, in an email to students, faculty, and staff, UT President Gregory Fenves announced the resignation of the Dean of the School of Architecture, Fritz Steiner. According to the Texas Tribune, Steiner said, quote, I would have never applied for another job if not for Campus Carry. I felt that I was going to be responsible for managing a law I didn't believe in. Fenves called Steiner's departure a big loss for the university. In his 15 years at UT, Steiner launched new degree programs in landscape architecture and interior design and opened the Center for Sustainable Design. Steiner will continue to serve UT through the end of June. He will begin a position as Dean of the School of Design at the University of Pennsylvania, his alma mater, on July 1st. Separately, the university has announced that Jay Bernhardt has been appointed the new dean of the Moody College of Communication. Bernhardt has served as the interim dean to the college since September 1st of last year and was the founding director of the Moody College's Center for Health Communication in 2014. Previously, Bernhardt was the director of the National Center for Health Marketing at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and has worked at the University of Florida, Emory University, and the University of Georgia. Bernhardt called the opportunity to lead the college an exciting chance he didn't want to pass up and said he hopes to focus on student leadership and engagement. The Flon Academic Center, UT's sole polling site, attracted the highest number of voters in Travis County during the first week of early voting. Travis County Clerk Dana Debouvoir released a report filled with unofficial vote totals from all 25 county polling sites, showing the FAC had seen 3,423 voters compared to 3,083 for the location in second place, Randolph's off Breaker Lane and Research Boulevard. In the 2014 midterm primary election, only 1,000... 341 voters cast their ballots early at the FAC in an election cycle featuring an open, competitive gubernatorial race. The last time students voted in record high turnout was during the 2008 presidential election, when 7,844 voters went to the FAC. Early voting ends this Friday at 7 p.m. The Texas primaries will be on Tuesday, March 1st, and higher turnout than usual is expected. Meanwhile, construction along 21st Street and Speedway has affected three UT shuttle routes, causing detours which officials say are expected to continue through at least April 12th. Assistant Director with UT's Parking and Transportation Services, Blanca Gomez, said the three UT shuttle routes affected are the 40 Acres, West Campus, and Lake Austin routes. Gomez said Capital Metro will strive to maintain the current level of service while the shuttles are on detour. According to data compiled from Capital Metro, the average ride on the West Campus shuttle takes about 28 minutes, but this route is heavily affected by detours. The live music capital of the world is losing musicians. A study commissioned by Austin Music People, or AMP, an advocacy group for the local music industry, found that Austin's music industry lost 1,200 jobs in four years. That's despite overall economic growth in the music industry because of festivals and tourism. But local artists aren't achieving the same success. The study also revealed a more than 15% decline from 2010 to 2014 in the impact of primary music. That's year-round economic activity by local artists, venues, and businesses. AMP Executive Director Jennifer Houlihan said the losses in the primary music sector can be attributed to a confusing permit system, weak public policy, an increasing cost of living, and people's refusal to pay for music. She said the Austin music sector generates nearly $2 billion per year, so its weakening poses a significant risk to the city's economy. What can Austinites do to help their local musicians? Houlihan says, pay the cover, tip the band, come for the opening act, and take some merch home.
Three UT students won a $5,000 prize Saturday at the Body Hacking Con 2016 startup pitch competition for pitching their crowd-favorite application, Forever Card. Forever Card was one of 10 finalists asked to pitch in the competition of 70 candidates. The team presented to the public crowd of around 70 people and close to 140 live stream viewers. In 2014, Educational Administration graduate Michael Barnes and Business Honors and Finance senior Zulian Juachua began working on Forever Card, an application that allows users to scan any business card directly into their phones. After acquiring Requiring the help of Jose Bethencourt, the lead developer and UT business freshman, they were able to launch the app in summer of last year. Last Thursday, Assistant Professor of Physics Keji Lai got an email from the White House telling him he won a presidential award, and he thought it was spam. A second email, again from the White House, was more convincing. Lai and Deji Akinwande, an Associate Professor of Electrical and Computer Engineering, were among 105 recipients of the Presidential Early Career Award for Scientists and Engineers the U.S. government's highest honor for scientists and engineers involved in research. Lai was nominated by the Department of Energy for his research specifically targeting energy harvesting materials and understanding the energy process. Akinwande's research focuses primarily on lengthening the battery life of electronic devices. He said the recognition is great, and the award also comes with a million dollars to further his research. Not a bad deal. On Friday, the world of some UT students got a bit more vivid. Glasses developed by the company in Chroma expanded the visible range of colors for these colorblind students. Color vision deficiency occurs because of an incorrect ratio of red and green light coming into the eye because of a more pronounced overlap in the red and green light receptors. In Chroma, glasses contain a filtering technology that selectively restricts light to reestablish the correct balance. This enables people to more fully distinguish between the colors red, green, and blue. These glasses are not a cure for color blindness, but they do greatly aid those with this condition. Inchroma CEO Andrew Schmieder and Director of Marketing Kent Strebe gave away six pairs of the glasses valued at $450 each to the people who tested them. All three colorblind participants that came to the event were involved in either art or design fields, and they all primarily rely on other strategies when choosing colors in their work, such as color theory or assistance from friends and coworkers. Over 300 million people worldwide have color vision deficiency. The most common version, red and green color blindness, affects 1 in 12 men and 1 in 200 women, according to the American Optometric Association. In the U.S., only 11 out of 50 states conduct color deficiency testing in school-aged children, this according to Enchroma's website. Enchroma offers a colorblind test on their website that people of all ages can use. Barbara Jordan was the first African-American elected to the Texas Senate after Reconstruction and the first Southern black female elected to the United States House of Representatives. Among numerous awards, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1994. The Barbara Jordan Freedom Foundation opened an interactive exhibit chronicling her life's work on Monday at the Texas Capitol Building, the day after what would have been her 80th birthday. The exhibit uses audiovisual and photographic content contributed by the LBJ School of Public Affairs, where Jordan was eventually a professor, and her alma mater, Texas Southern University. According to TSU librarian Janice Payton, they have typed manuscripts of Jordan's on which you can see manual edits where she would correct the language, using stronger and stronger words to give the rousing speeches she was known for. The exhibit is free and will be open to the public until February 27th. A group of UT student researchers work as wine detectives with chemistry professor Eric Anslin to decide whether a bottle of wine is truly wine or rather a counterfeit trying to take its place. In Anslin's research group titled Supermolecular Sensors, 
Students use differential array sensors to test for tannins, a substance naturally produced by grapes in the wine. These sensors are composed of a metal, an indicator, and a peptide. And when a sample of wine is added to the complex, molecules in the wine, called tannins, displace the indicator, and a color change is observed. By using a variety of metal indicator peptide combinations, the team is able to grab a, quote, fingerprint for each wine. The fingerprints are what allows the team to differentiate between the different wines. Wine was chosen as the test solution because its quality is something many people discuss and care about, this according to Anselin, and I could corroborate that. The sensors the freshman research initiative team is developing could potentially be used to compare what wine tasters say about wine and what the sensors detect being that the sensors themselves were designed to mimic the way the tongue tastes and the nose smells. Diana Zamora Olivares, assistant professor in the College of Natural Sciences and research educator for the team, said that by simply changing the set of chemical sensors used, the team can adapt the array system to other fields such as quality control, forensics, healthcare, and national defense. And now to Akshay Merchandani with the Daily Texan Sports Update. Thanks, Lillian. Lots to cover today in Longhorn Sports. The women's basketball team notched their 25th win of the season on Wednesday night, beating Texas Tech 76-55. Sophomore guard Ariel Atkins led the team with 13 points and also grabbed 7 rebounds. The Longhorns play their final home game on Saturday against TCU at 7 p.m. That game is senior night. The men's basketball team will play number 3 Oklahoma on Saturday at 1 p.m. at the Irwin Center. The Longhorns and Sooners played in Norman on February 8th, where Oklahoma won 63-60 thanks to a game-winning three-pointer from, se- from Sooner senior guard Buddy Heald. Texas is coming off a 71-70 win over Kansas State, where junior guard Isaiah Taylor led the team with 19 points. The Oklahoma game is already sold out to the general public, and 1,800 tickets are being held for students. The game can also be viewed on CBS. The baseball team opened their season last week with a home series against UNLV. The Longhorns went 2-1 in three games against the Rebels, and head coach Augie Garrido earned his 800th career win in the process. The Longhorns will play a a series with Stanford at home this weekend. Finally, the softball team is hosting the Texas Invitational at home this weekend. The Longhorns play Abilene Christian and Tulsa on Friday, Tulsa and Illinois on Saturday, and Weber State on Sunday. That's it for sports. Back to you guys. Thanks, Akshay. The Student Government Executive Alliance candidates announced their campaign platforms this week. We have reporter Rachel Liu in the studio to talk about this. Uh, Rachel, first off, who are the four teams running? So the four teams running are uh, constitute of pairs Daniel James Chapman and Austin James Robinson, Kaylin Dimitrov and Jesse Guadiana, Kevin Helgren and Bina Kim, and Jonathan Dror and Delisa Shannon. Okay, and they put out their platforms. So each team, what is their specific focus? So the Chapman-Robinson campaign theme is We Give a Shit. They, uh, they do this to say that they really care about all UT students and w- they want to encourage the UT student body to become more civically engaged. Kaylin Dimitrov and Jesse Guadiana's platform is Running for What You're Running Towards, which means that they're bringing together the different perspectives of um, all types of communities in the, U- in the UT student body and they want to address issues that are relevant to them. Um, Kevin Helgren and Bina Kim's theme is Share Your Story. Uh, they went with this theme um, saying that it's more of a movement than a campaign. Um, by listening to different experiences from the student body, uh, they want to mobilize um, the whole UT community. Um, Jonathan Dror and Elisa Shannon, their theme is Turn Up Texas. Their theme is all about um, being students for students. Um, for Dror and Shannon, they want to engage UT students by getting to know the 
by getting to know them individually and sharing their passion for UT while having fun with their campaign. And all of the candidates gathered for a debate on Monday night. What stood out for you from the debate? You were there, you wrote about it. Mm Um, while all the candidates um, do have separate platform points, there is a lot of crossover in their platforms, particularly when it comes to engaging the UT student um, body in becoming more active in the SG process and in the university as a whole. And then there was also overlap in that all four candidate, um, all four candidate pairs um, agreed that sexual assaults is an important issue for UT to address in the upcoming year. Okay. Uh, when are the elections and where can students vote? Voting begins March 2nd at 8 a.m. and ends March 3rd at 5 p.m. You can vote at utexasvote.org, and election results will be announced on March 3rd at 6 p.m. in front of the tower. All right, thank you for being here. Thank you. And now to Kat Cardness and Chris Duncan with the Daily Texan Backbeat. Thanks, Anthony. So this week we're going to be talking about Animal Collective's new LP. It is their 10th. It's called Painting With... If you don't know Animal Collective, they're an art pop band. They've been around since the late 90s. They're pretty consistent with their releases in terms of quality and you know progressing their sound. And this release is no different. So here's the first song off the album and its lead single. It's called Floridada. was a super fun way to open up the album uh it was a pretty energetic song overall and i thought it was really fun to listen to but it just wasn't really my style it felt kind of like flaming lips ish just Mm -hmm. a little bit more chaotic yeah the definitely when you say flaming lips i think of the layered vocals and you know the kind of more trippy effects which i think are definitely in play on this song and throughout a lot of the album however the one thing that distinguishes this release from a lot of their Animal Collective's other stuff is that they really cut out that more psychedelic influence where, you know, th- songs just kind of keep on going and certain riffs are repeated over and over. And they really cut down the songs, create a more pop sound. And I think this song is a perfect example of how they did that. Yeah, for sure. I think it definitely has a wider appeal than a lot of the stuff that they've released before just because of that style. But Overall, it was just a little bit too chaotic for me to listen to. Mm. I to listen to is their song, Golden Gal. Check it out. The gals were right on what she needed last to fall on it For all of this and more, get them crazy The song really takes that idea of cutting down their songs to the extreme and it just cuts out any prelude to the song or like any you know afterthought and it's really just the core of what their sound is the beats pretty minimal the lyrics on the song i thought were actually exceptional compared to a lot of the other songs and it had a really fun pop feel in the end i thought this was the best song on the album i'd probably agree this song was still really entertaining to listen to and I think because of the way that they cut things down that you did have to pay more attention to the lyrics than you can on the other songs Mm -hmm. and I do think that I like on other songs it's a bit harder to pay attention to the lyrics and so that was kind of nice listening to this song yeah they use they use a lot of different drum machines and synthesizers and things like that that often distract from the lyrics which have has always been something that they've done 
they're more into the the sonics rather than I think the content of the lyrics. But mm-hmm. on this song, I think there was a really even balance, and it really played out well for them. So this last song we're gonna listen to is called "Bagels in Kiev." This was definitely my least favorite song on the album. I didn't really like it that much at all, and I thought it was just super repetitive, and I just wasn't into it. It didn't bring anything new to the album at all. Mm-hmm. Well, this song is definitely positioned in the middle of the album, and after you listen to the fifth and sixth tracks, which aren't really that exciting, Bagels in Kiev is just kind of there, and it, it, it really doesn't provide anything. After the seventh track, the album really starts to pick up, and it you know, really rejuvenates itself and it ends on a really high note. But this this middle section is kind of, it just really feels repetitive. And this is definitely kind of counter that more minimal style that they were going for. So in the end, I think it, it really didn't contribute to the album as a whole. Yeah, overall, this section of the album, everything from around like the fifth and sixth track all the way to the ninth, were just kind of tough to get through just because they were so cluttered and repetitive. And I think just the whole way around, I wasn't really a big fan of this album. It was a really easy listen, but it didn't really do anything for mm-hmm. me. Animal Collective has always been a really easy listen, whether whether it's you know them as a group or whether it's one of the members going out and doing something. Panda Bear released something last year I really liked. But I, I think in comparison to some of their previous stuff, this album is not as good, uh, You know, especially an album like Meriwether Post Pavilion, uh, which they released in 2009. I think the overall direction of this album was a well-intended direction, just the cutting down, getting to the core of the more pop element of their music. I think that's definitely the direction they should go, you know, depending on whether or not they decide to release another album. But I think it, it this album definitely panders to a wider audience. Uh, and so maybe they, some people would say they've lost artistic integrity, but I think in the end, it's definitely a new direction for the band that I think fans should get used to. That's it from us. We'll be back next week with another Backbeat. Back to you guys. Thanks, guys. And now it's time for Crime Corner. Lillian, what's on your radar this week? On February 21st, 2016, at 1.25 a.m. at the Moore Hill Hall Dormitory, police officers responded to the third floor for a disturbance. Upon arrival, witnesses pointed out a shirtless student who was under the age of 21. The student showed several signs of intoxication. When the officer initiated a detention of the student, the student pulled away and exclaimed, I do not give consent. The student was found to be in possession of a fictitious driver's license. The student then went on to state he needed medical attention as a result of his alcohol consumption. Austin Travis County EMS agreed. On February 24, 2016, at 8.56 a.m. at the Union Building, a UT staff member reported the presence of a person at this location who had received a prior criminal trespass warning. When officers arrived, they discovered that the person had actually received several prior warnings. He then told officers that he did not believe that they had the authority to arrest him, despite the fact that officers had previously arrested him for the same offense at the same location. The officers disagreed and provided him with a ride to Travis County Central Booking to demonstrate the extent of their disagreement. And that about does it for this week's edition of the Daily Texan Newscast. In the meantime, there is always more news at DailyTexanOnline.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Daily Texan and this podcast at Texan Podcast. We're also on iTunes, everybody. Just search for The Daily Texan Newscast. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye, guys.
This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Anthony Green and Lillian Michel. Guests were Akshay Merchandani, Chris Duncan, Kat Cardenas, and Rachel Liu. The music was by Jazar. Be sure to tune in next week, Friday, March 4th, for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytexanonline.com.